We've been studying, we've just started the book of First John. Last week we, we, we deviated a little bit because it was Mother's Day. But to, this week we, we're carrying on, we're back to the basics. You know, in First John chapter, chapter 1, and we're going to read from verses 5 onwards. In First John, the first epistle of John, and as we go back to the basics again this morning, and we focus, we'll be focusing on living like you are forgiven. Are you living this morning like you are forgiven? Or are you carrying this heavy load and you're walking around with the weight of, of whatever it is? And, it, uh, and you're just holding on to it. Well, this morning, John is in encouraging us to live like people who are forgiven. But let's read together from, from 1 John chapter Chapter 1, verses 5 onwards. And then after that, we're going to have a word of prayer as we pray for one another and also pray for the word this morning. Let's read together. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, verses 1 there in chapter 2, I write this to you that, so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. So far, may God bless the reading of his precious word. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for your presence here with us. Thank you, Lord, that you've already, Lord Jesus, finished whatever you needed to finish in terms of our salvation. You paid for our sins, Lord past, present, and future. You already paid for it, Lord, on, on the cross of Calvary. But beyond that, Lord, you are alive and you, you are the risen one. We can come to you this morning. We have access into your presence, Lord. And we can come and draw near to you and allow you the, your rightful place in our lives. And Lord, right here in our midst this morning, we pray that you will touch our lives and minister to us and you will speak to us, Lord, as people living like we are forgiven. Not as people, Lord, just carrying the weight of our sin and the weight of our burdens by ourselves, Lord. Lord, we come and we lay our lives before you this morning and we pray that you will bless us, Lord, and you will go before us. We pray for those who are in need of prayer. We continue to pray for David, for Elvira, for Elvira in particular, Lord, and we pray for the family situation there, that you will just be with them and that you, you will, your hand will be upon them at this time. Lord, we want to Thank you for what you are doing even in Andrew's life at this time. Lord, we pray that you will be with him. And Lord, I pray that during this time, Andrew will be aware of the fact that you are there for him. He can look to you and turn to you. We pray, 
We pray for Rosalind, Lord, and her mom as well. We pray that you'll be with them at this time and your hand will be upon them, Lord, and that they will experience you in a special way. Lord, we look to you this morning. We commit ourselves to you. We pray that you will just touch our lives this morning and minister to us, Lord, in a way that only you can minister to us. Bless your word this morning, Lord, and bless us as we hear from you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. There are times when it is hard for us to believe that the authors of Scripture were real people who lived real lives, had real struggles, and they also had real joys as well. Isn't it true? The author of 1 John was a real person who had unique experiences in Christ. It is John who is now Pastor John. This was a house church that he spoke to. He is writing to a group of churches that are in the region of Ephesus where he lives. The first century term there, remember last time when we, when we spoke about it, we, sp- we referred to Gnosticism, and I'm going to just touch on it just briefly here this morning. The first century term for those who just wanted the spiritual experience, but had no intention of exemplifying it, was Gnosticism. They wanted the best of both worlds, and you cannot get the best of both worlds, isn't it true? Their philosophy was, I want to be able to do whatever I want. And their, their focus was only on the spirit, and not, they felt that matter is evil. So only the things of the spirit were important, and, and anything fleshly was not that important. Can you remember last time when we spoke about it? I'm not going to go into it again. But they had no intention of exemplifying the life that they should, they should. But two weeks ago, John introduced us to life that is real and not false, not fake at all. Today, John introduces us to the contrast between saying and doing. You see, brothers and sisters, we want substance, isn't it true? We want honesty. We want meaning and purpose. We want the real thing. We want integrity. We want living as if we are forgiven. Are you living like that this morning? As if you are forgiven. We may intellectually know we are forgiven and loved, but what does it mean to live like it? Now we're going to go through, and I pray that this morning we will. I've only have two points, but quite some sub-points as well this morning. But as we go through this, I pray that we will just be touched and we will be blessed this morning and challenged as well. Living like you are forgiven, first of all, embraces a right view of God, the right view of the Lord. Verse 5, he's light. The core elements related to forgiveness has to do with the right view of the Lord. What is your view of him here this morning? John wrote this letter because some people were promoting false teachings. The effect was not only that people began believing things that were untrue, but it also caused them to have doubts. He starts by establishing who the Lord is and what He is like. This is an important starting point. 
Now John loves the metaphor light. And so we're going to go, we're going to refer to that. He uses it frequently in 1 John and also in his gospel. Uh, And now this morning John is saying three things to us. He is the source. When he speaks about his light, he is the source of everything we need. He is the source of everything you need this morning, my brother, my sister, my friend. To say God is light is to connect his nature to the source of everything we need. He is all-powerful. Light is powerful. When we realize the source of all our answers is in Jesus, then we will have no problem surrendering our problems and concerns to him. Isn't that true? We will have no problem handing it over to him. When you depend on yourself, you carry the stress, all the burdens, all of life's anxieties, and all the baggage. Is that what you're doing? Carrying it. It's heavy to carry, eh? (laughs) But when you learn to depend on Jesus for every need in your life, then you can be free from all that turmoil and all that baggage. Baggage is anything that is holding you back from receiving everything that the Lord has for you. It's the source of everything, my brother, my sister. You know, and uh, Psalm 118 verses 8 to 9 says it so, so beautifully, you know, it's, it's better to make the Lord your refuge than to make man your refuge. It's better to make the Lord your refuge than to make princes your refuge as well. Psalm 118 verses 8 to 9. But he's not only the source of everything. He's the source of everything. You can come to him this morning. You can lay down your burdens before him. You can call on him and trust him. He's ready to provide each one of us with whatever we need and beyond and more. He is also the revealer. You see, that's what light is. Isn't it true? Light has the capacity to reveal what is true and what is not. John uses light as a word for God-centered consistency that should be part of the believer's life. Light exposes what is wrong and reveals what is right. But let us never forget this. He created us to live in relationship with him who is the eternal light. And as we live in relationship with him, light will expose whatever needs to be exposed in our lives. But then thirdly, he is perfect. With the light, he's perfect. He cannot sin. John says that there is no darkness in him at all. He is the source of what is right. He is the revealer of what is right. He embodies what is right. He is perfect in essence, perfect in character, perfect in actions, perfect in motives. His ways are perfect. His purposes are perfect. It's the best for each one of us here this morning. He is light, and in him there is no darkness. 
at all. Everything flows from him and nothing that emanates from him is compromised in any way. Now brothers and sisters, if you understand that he is perfect and life-sustaining, it determines how you think about the concept of forgiveness. Now, we haven't gone into it yet, but we, that's, that's what you understand then. His life is there. And if he has forgiven you, he's forgiven you unconditionally. Not holding anything back. Not holding anything against you. A wrong view of him undermines our view of forgiveness. It changes how we think about confession of sin. And must remember the Gnostics found it was not necessary. Flesh is, flesh is not as important as spirit. So confession of sin was not important to the Gnostics. It impacts also our connection between what we believe and our actions when we understand His forgiveness. Our view of the Lord matters when it comes to forgiveness. Our view of the Lord is probably this morning too small, too limited, too watered down, and too much like us. But I want to say this here this morning, a low view of Him causes us to dabble in sin. There's a lot mentioned about sin in this chapter. Tolerate hypocrisy. Justify our shortcomings. And spend very little time confessing our sins to Him. How you view the Lord determines how you approach the subject, I say it again, of forgiveness. Do you have the right perspective this morning? Do you see things the way they are supposed to be seen or the way you want to see them? Yellowman says, by your still van Dachner. We need God's perspective so we can perceive everything the way He wants us to. We do not always see what He sees. And I've, got, I've mentioned a few things here. Sometimes we are telescope, you know, telescopic, huh? <laughs> or telescopic. Sometimes we are telescopic. We magnify things. Is that where you are? Magnify every problem. Magnify every issue. Magnify everything that, is not, that does not suit us because we want things on our terms. What is it that you are magnifying here this morning? Sometimes we are microscopic. We are too small-minded. Is that where you are this morning? Microscopic. Is that your view this morning of things, of life? Look at things, and often it's the little things that causes us to stumble. Isn't it true? The little things that we blow out of proportion is almost similar to magnifying. We, you know, it's, it's the little things. And I'm asking you, are you microscopic this morning? Is that your view? Sometimes we are biopic. Whoa, this person writes a document, a biography, you can almost put a story of all the wrongs that they've suffered, that all the wrongs that others have done to them. Is that where you are this morning, biopic? <laughs> you know, 
That's what we mean when we talk about this uh, biopic. We're not meaning anything else, but where you be become biographic. You, be you are documenting everything. You remember everything. You rehearse it. You review it. You talk about it. Is that where you are this morning? Written a, some, some of us have written it in our minds. I don't know how you remember. It's documented here. Stop being the biopic. But then sometimes we are anthropic. What do we mean by that? It's the word anthropos means man. Eh? I'm only human. Have you heard this? People say, I'm only human. Make excuses. I'm only human. I'm only human. Stop making excuses. And this is what John is saying here this morning. Change your perspective. I have learned to change my perspective. And he's saying to this house church here, change your perspective as you look at things. Don't remain the same, but change it. You know, the amazing thing is, this prepared John for the future. Can you remember when he wrote the book of Revelation? Yeah. It prepared him for the time when he would be on, oh, you know, on the peninsula, let's put it in those words, of, of, of Patmos. He, you know, he, that, this prepared him, and, and the, the Lord showed John something he had never seen before, from a place he had never been before, banished to the peninsula of, of Patmos. It was lonely. It was dismal, it was depressing, it was rotten, it was a mess, it was horrific. John was in jail without bail, yet he kept on going. <laughs> Is that where you are? John was in jail without bail, yet he kept on going. Your condition ought not to stop your conviction here this morning. Where you are should not stop you from knowing whose you are. <laughs> I want to do I hear some amens there? Where you are should not stop you from knowing whose you are. Your condition is an indication that the Lord is about to show you something you have never seen before. And I think of John in his condition. He, remember he was, he was in prison. In his captive condition, John received revelation. Isn't that wonderful? He received revelation. In, at his lowest, he received revelation. No matter where you find yourself, you will receive revelation from the Lord. And the Lord came to John. He made his appearance to John. As John received revelation, God's revelation is from a higher, brothers and sisters, a higher elevation. Revelation 4 verse 1 says, and John said he saw an open door in heaven, higher elevation in heaven. And he heard a voice sounding like a trumpet. You know, when I think of a voice sounding like a trumpet, it's an announcement that you have to hear there. And uh See, God's revelation is always from a higher elevation. We begin to see things differently. You get me here this morning? He did not change John's position. He just changed his perspective. His perspective is higher than your mishap. 
His perspective is higher than your failure. His perspective is higher than your hurt and your disappointment. His perspective is higher than your condition here this morning. That's what John learned as he went along. John saw something he had never seen before, as we heard earlier. He saw heaven from hell. How do you like that? I mean, that peninsula of Patmos was like hell. He saw heaven from hell. He saw glory from gory. Did you hear that? He saw life from a place of death. He saw a new beginning from a place of endings. That was John. He saw hope from a place of despair. He saw greatness from a place of limitation and restraint. He saw the Lord high and lifted up at the lowest point of his life. But it was this experience, he needed the prior experiences in order for him to see the Lord in this way. Revelation, elevation, that's what we need today. Eh? That's what John speaks about here in First John. Eh? They were trying to pull him apart, but it's not happening. John says, this is not happening. He had the right perspective. When your life is being pulled apart, do you have the right perspective? So it's like John was saying, you can pull me apart, but you cannot pull me away from him. You cannot pull my prayer life apart. You cannot pull my devotion to him apart. You cannot pull my commitment to him apart. Time has come for us, brothers and sisters, to shift our natural perspective to his elevated, and could I, I dare I say, and, and supernatural perspective. But secondly, living like you are forgiven embraces consistency. John outlines three approaches <laughs> to dealing with sin here. And he has to do with this. And we've got to get to the basics here in terms of how to deal with it. And John says we can attempt to cover our sin. Verses 6 to 7. I'm not going to read that now. The false prophets that John was warning the church about in this letter were guilty of trying to cover their sin with lies. A person cannot walk in darkness. That's what John says and claim to have fellowship with him. Fellowship with him and walking in darkness is impossible. Isn't it true? If we walk in darkness, we are walking apart from him. Walking in the darkness while claiming to be in the light means you are lying. You are lying. The other way to live is by walking in the light, as verse 7 says. It's by walking in the light. You can tell a lot about a person by their walk. Isn't it true? <laughs> the way a person carries himself or herself, ref herself reflects something more than the physical act of walking. This word here captures the totality of a person's existence. Walking. Everything about you. The way you walk. The way you move the way you live for Christ. Christian life is about more than mere talk. This is what John is saying here. We must also live out what we believe. 
if we are in fellowship with him, our walk will match our talk. Is that happening? But if we are living in sin, walking in the dark, our lives will contradict the truth. Our speech will contradict it as well. And it will reveal us as hypocrites. Are you that this morning? Let's be careful. It is crucial that we understand, though, that placing our face in Christ is just the beginning of a lifelong journey with him. This walk begins with a step of faith. Walking involves progress. We are supposed to mature in our relationship with Christ. And as we do, our lives should increasingly look Christ-like. Is that what's happening in our lives this morning? You're too quiet now. I need to hear more amens now. eh? Light produces life and growth. And darkness produces death and decay. Darkness and light cannot exist in the same place. They cannot coexist. If we are walking in the light, darkness must go. It goes. There's no darkness. Secondly, we can confess our sins, verses 8 to 9, and this is where we come, get to now. Not only did these people live in darkness, but they also claimed to be without sin. How do you like that? Can a person do that? Have you ever heard of something like this? But the Gnostics believed that. Eh? They claim that to, to be without sin. They have moved from attempting to fool others to fooling themselves. They believed their own lies and considered themselves to be blameless, although they were living in sin. Is it possible to be living in sin I'm asking you this question. Is it possible to be living in sin yet convince yourself that everything is fine between you and the Lord? Is it possible to live in sin and to still say now everything's fine between me and the Lord? Can it be fine? You've got to answer that question here this morning. Can it be fine? But you see, when, when the Gnostics said these things, this, this is an unwillingness to be honest and coming to terms with who we are in Christ. He knows what is happening in your life this morning. He knows, the Lord knows what is happening in your life. Tell him you are not perfect. These people are saying we're perfect. Tell him you are not perfect. Not one of us are perfect. The hope of the gospel is that broken sinful people can be restored. Broken sinful people can be restored. It's the hope of the gospel. But there is one important condition and it is found in verse 9. It's the word confession. And when we confess We are saying, Lord, I do not claim perfection. I I declare that I've messed up. I still mess up. I've blown it, Lord. But thank you that as I come before you, there's forgiveness for me. Confession does two things for the life of the believer. One is it says there is, 
uh, it, it says that there is, there is always a platform, <laughs> to be honest. In other words, this is the darkness in me. It's not only this darkness. This is what I am struggling with. This is what I'm wrestling with. Lord, I bring it before you for your cleansing. And then, of course, there's the pathway to restoration. And we go straight back to verse 7, and I love that verse. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Literally makes us pure and clean beyond anything we could possibly imagine. Yeah, that's where we are this morning. Where are you this morning? What is it that you need to bring before the Lord this morning? See, Jesus is the one purifying you. Won't you welcome his cleansing over your life here this morning? But then the final point I want to make is that we can choose to live on what was or what is. And that it starts in chapter 2 here, verses 1 and 2. We have an advocate. Again, that word, my favorite word that you often hear me refer to. We have an advocate with the Father. That's what John says here in verse 1, in John chapter 2, verse 1. We have an advocate with the Father. We have one who is there to cover us. We have one who is there to defend us. We have one who is there to watch over us. We have one who is there to accomplish and fulfill what needs to be fulfilled in our lives. One who who steps in on our behalf and makes a difference. And then of course that verse, verse 2 speaks about he's the the atoning sacrifice. You know, in in, in the NIV it says the atoning sacrifice. Did you see, did you read what it says in the inking jummy there? Did you read what it says there? It says he is the propitiation. You are word, big But you know the uh, the meaning of it is just this. You know, uh, he is the payment for your sin. Did you hear that? He's the payment for your sin. He paid it all already. He paid in full for your sin with his life. He gave his all. On behalf of you and I, the whole world, every single person is included. You are included. I know there are some views about that too, but I want to say this to you. You are included here this morning. He shed his blood for you. You are important to him. This morning as we get to our close here and conclude, there are two kinds of birds that, that we need to look at here this morning. Uh, I just want to refer to here two kinds of birds. It's a cape sparrow, what we would call in Afrikaans a mossy, we know that, eh? And a vulture. The vulture looks for and thrives on a diet of rotting meat. Isn't that true? Cape sparrows avoid the smelly, dead, 
animals. Instead, they look for soft shoots of plants and fresh, soft fruit. The vulture lives on what was. Did you hear that? They live on the past. They fill themselves with, with the dead and gone. Cape sparrows, dimosi and anavurd. Cape sparrows live on what is. They seek new life. They fill themselves with freshness and life. Each bird finds what it is looking for. Decide how you want to live, either in the pits this morning, or you refuse to live in the past. Do you want fresh and new this morning? Then be like a mossy, be like the Cape Sparrow. If you ask the Lord to forgive you this morning, accept his forgiveness. Did you hear that? Live like you are forgiven. Break the cycle that binds you to the wounds of yesterday. Break that cycle. Today you need to say, I choose to move on. When you let go and move on, you can forgive even when others make no confession. Did you hear that? You can say, I forgive. I forgive you are the hardest words. But this morning the Lord says to you and I, I forgive you. But for us as humans, it's the hardest words, especially if we've experienced pain and hurts from those whom we never expected. But when you let go and move on, you can forgive even when others make no confession. You can forgive when the, the other person has done nothing to earn your forgiveness. You can forgive and the other person may never even know about it. The only person that is worse, and you probably have it on your notes there, than a quitter is the one who never begins. This morning I challenge you, start. let's begin again. Let's start afresh. He said, but pastor, it's impossible. You don't understand the hurt and the pain that I've been through. Yes, I don't. I don't. I'll never, I would probably never understand it. But I want to say that it's better to begin again. Start all over. Start afresh. It's about putting your past in its place and being embraced by forgiveness. Forgiveness in Hebrew means a circle. Now, let me put it this way. In Greek, in Hebrew, it's Old Testament. It means a circle. In Greek, it means to release in order to set yourself free. Or to, as we would put it, in order to put, set the prisoner free. But here, I want to refer to this word circle in Hebrew in the Old Testament. It means a circle. You see, life is meant to be a circle encompassing all our experiences and relationships in one harmonious, seamless whole. Now, let me put it this way when we think of a circle. When you are forgiven, the broken circle is complete again. And you find yourself encompassed by wholeness, not brokenness. You get the picture? 
When you forgive, you have taken control of your life rather than being a victim of it. If the Lord has forgiven you, I want to say this to you this morning. If the Lord has forgiven you, who are you not to forgive yourself? Who are you not to forgive others? If the Lord has forgiven you, who are you to say or act? Or who are they, rather? Who are they? Let's rather put it. Let's turn not only to you, but to them. If the Lord has forgiven you, who are they to say or act like you are not forgiven? Lord has forgiven you. Live like forgiven people. I pray that during this week you will live like a forgiven person, knowing that the Lord has forgiven you, knowing that you must show grace to others, knowing that you must be a blessing to others, knowing that you belong to him. Since your contribution this morning is essential, no problem can hinder you from achieving the purpose for which you've been created. And how does that happen? Your contribution, or rather, let's rather leave the word contribution out. You have an indispensable gift at your disposal in Christ to make a difference in this world. Won't you go out there and make a difference during this week? You have someone, nothing, and nobody can take away. You have Jesus. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. We are, that we have this privilege of living like we are forgiven because of your forgiveness that knows no limits from the east to the west we can go we won't find we will never be able to 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 fathom your forgiveness lord when you forgive us you forgive us never to remember whatever we have done ever again you never point it out to us again you never bring it up again lord you've forgiven us yes lord we are the ones who let you down many times. But this morning we thank you that we have this privilege to live as people who are forgiven because of the price that you paid for us on Calvary and because of the fact that you are alive and risen and you are our advocate, protecting us, covering us, defending us, watching over us. Thank you, Father. We worship you this morning. Won't you bless us further? In Jesus' name, amen.